Welcome to the Queen City Church Podcast. We're so excited that you decided to join us, and we wanted to personally welcome you. Thank you so much for listening in today. Our goal is that this message will encourage you and give you practical steps for a relationship with God that keep getting better and better. Enjoy the message. We're in week four of a series called Run It Back. And in this series, we're looking back at some of the messages in the series from our first hundred weeks as a church, and we're reteaching them in the context of this pandemic season that we all find ourselves in. And so today, we're going to go back to week 40 of our church during the Book of James series. And this is a series where we did an in-depth kind of deep dive study into the book of James, which is a very short book in the New Testament, only has five chapters and 108 verses. Like if you decided to press pause and read it right now, you could probably read it, the whole thing, in about 10 minutes. And it's written by, shocker, a guy by the name of James. And he is the uh, half-brother of Jesus. And uh, here's what's cool about the book of James. The book of James is one of the most practical books of the Bible. A lot of scholars call the book of James the Proverbs of the New Testament because it's full of wisdom and very practically like applies to like our day-to-day lives, which by the way is a very big deal at our church. It is. You need to know this about our church. If you're hanging out with us, maybe over the last 24 weeks, you found us online somehow, some way. You need to know this about our church, that we are passionate. We did not start this church over 100 weeks ago just so we could play church. We love church. We just don't want to play church. We just, we, we're passionate about, about not just going through the motions. We just don't want to play church. And um, here's, here's, a, here's one of my big things that I pray every single week is that we don't just walk out the same way that we walked in. Like, I don't want to play church. I, I, I want this to kind of play out in my every single, like, Jesus has created a life for us to live that affects every single day, every single thing that we do, our jobs, our our marriages, our family, everything. And so that's why we have this such strong conviction as a church that our Sundays should always affect our Mondays, always. That our Sunday, it should always affect our Mondays. And so today, we're gonna look at 10 very practical verses in James chapter three. And so I'm going to start in verse one. We're going to read these and then I'm going to give you a little context. We're going to pray together and see what God wants to do. Okay. James chapter three, starting in verse one, it says, dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church for we who teach will be judged more strictly. And I will say this, this is why I take what I do so seriously because I know one day I'm going to be held before God and I'm going to be held accountable before God for what I say and how I teach this book. And that's why I will never show up and just like like fly off the cuff and just just not really prepare, not really put effort into it. No, this is a really big deal and this says why. Verse two says, indeed, we all make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could control ourselves in every way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong in the same way. The tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And the tongue is a flame of fire. That's strong language. 
It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire for it is set on fire by hell itself. It gets real intense right here just for a moment. And then James says this in verse seven, people can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. So let me give you just a quick context before we pray. James 3 comes right after James 2. I, I know that is very theologically deep. Um, I'm, a, I'm a biblical scholar. Um, but here's, here's why that's significant. Because in James chapter 2, he talks about how our faith should affect how we live our lives. And then immediately after that, in James chapter 3, he starts talking about the words that we speak. So today, if you're taking notes, we're going to talk over the next few minutes over this subject that our words matter. That our words, they matter. They matter a whole lot. Okay, let's pray. And let's invite God to do whatever he wants to do over the next few minutes. God, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for your word. And God, just like we talked about earlier, we want today to affect tomorrow. And so God, we give you permission to speak. We don't wanna go through the motions. We don't wanna play church. We want to hear from you. And so, God, we open up our entire lives to you speak. Uh, we're ready to listen. We thank you. Help us to learn about our words today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. So how many of you, just by show of hands, know that our words matter? Come on, right there in the chat. If you know that our words, they matter. How many of you know that our words really matter in a global pandemic? Where for a lot of our relationships, all we have is words, that all we have is text messages, that all we have is phone calls and FaceTimes and Zoom calls and Zoom calls and Zoom calls. <laughs> we have so many Zoom calls that are there. I, I am thankful for technology, man. I could not imagine going through all this without technology. But, but the, like so many of our relationships right now, really all it is is our words, in fact, I would guess that over the last five plus months that your words have probably gotten you in some trouble from time to time over, over the last five months. And there's probably been a few moments where you said something that you really wish you did not say and some moments where you said something and right there in that moment, you wish that life had a rewind button that you could just hit and just kind of bring all those back um, you know, so you could just take it all. Our words matter. Right. I was doing some research, and this is what, like, some stats. So stats say that a fifth of our lives, so 20% of our lives are spent talking. A fifth of our lives. Some of you, it's way more. It was an average. So some <laughs> of you, you take that way up. Some of you take it way down. A fifth of our lives are spent talking. And then get this, the average person per year, per year, will speak the equivalent of 66 books of 800 pages each. Wow. Now, the average man speaks 7,000 words a day. That's a lot. 
Now, the average woman speaks 20,000 <laughs> words a day on average. So our words matter. Our words matter. And James chapter 3 talks a lot about our words. And so let me give you, just directly from James chapter 3, three reasons why our words matter. And here's number one. Our words are directional. Our words are directional. In other words, that our words will take us places. In James chapter 3, in verse 3 through 5, it says, Horses have bits and bridles in their mouths so that we can control and guide their large body. And the same with mighty ships. Though they are massive and driven by fierce winds, yet they are steered by a tiny rudder at the direction of the person at the helm. And so the tongue is a small part of the body, yet it carries great power. And here in these verses, James uses two metaphors with the same message, that your words direct your life. And first, he talks about a bit on a horse. So if you've ever seen a racehorse, you'll see these huge, powerful, fast horses that weigh between 1,100 to 1,300 pounds, yet... They are completely controlled by these 100-pound Keebler elf-looking dudes that are known as jockeys. And so when I see that, I'm like, how? Like, how in the world can those little tiny humans control these massive horses? And so these horses, what they have is they have like this five-inch metal bit in their mouth. And that five-inch metal bit just directs and controls and steers those big horses. And then James goes on to talk about a rudder on a ship. And so I'm from Middle Tennessee, so it's also pronounced rudder. Uh, so it's a <laughs> rudder, it talks about a rudder on a ship. And so a, a normal cruise ship, get this, it weighs between 20 to 60,000 tons. Yet it is completely steered and guided and controlled and led by a very small rudder. And so just like the bit directs the horse, and just like the rudder directs the boat, your words direct your life. In other words, that you will go wherever your words take you. And so practically, when your words are consistently, like over and over and over again, when your words are consistently negative and critical and sharp and harsh, and when your words are full of gossip and it's just crude and depressing or dishonoring, or maybe you're making fun of everything and everybody and you love to just throw shade on any and anything and, you know, and anybody, I'm telling you, if that's what your words are, your life will be worse. I promise you, those type of words will take you places. And not only will they take you places, I promise you, be, having that type of language will take you places that you don't want to go. But on the other hand, like if your words are positive and honoring and encouraging and loving and pure and kind, gentle, if your words are life-giving, like literally it's a breath of fresh air anytime somebody's around you and you speak, I promise you, your life will be better. Like those type of words, it will take you places that you do want to go. It'll be places, it'll take you to great places in your life because our words are directional. Here's number two, write this down, that our words are powerful. 
Our words are powerful. We see this in James chapter three, that our words are powerful. I want you in this room and also uh, there online, you can put this in the chat. I want you to finish this sentence. You have to type really fast if you can, okay? So finish this sentence, or maybe you're just sitting in your home. Finish this out loud. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but... Okay. Whoever came up with that is a liar. Just a liar. Like Buddy the Elf says, like you sit on a throne of lies. Whoever came up with that at some point, you lie. You lie. Here's what it should be. It should be, I, I rewrote this because I was like, no, that, that, that's a complete lie. We should quit saying that. This is, I, I rewrote it. This is what it should say. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will definitely destroy me. That's what it should say. Because it is, it's, it's real. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words every time will definitely destroy me. Some of the most hurtful things in my life have not been sticks and stones. It's been words because words are powerful. And in James chapter three, verses five and six, it says this. And so the tongue is a small part of the body, yet it carries, there it is, great power. Just think of how a small flame can set a huge forest ablaze and the tongue is a fire. It can be compared to the sum total of wickedness and is the most dangerous part of the human body. It corrupts the entire body and is a hellish flame. It releases a fire that can burn throughout the course of human existence. And again, right here in these verses, James, he uses metaphoric language to compare our words to a fire. So in October, 1871, Chicago experienced what's known now as the Great Chicago Fire. And for three days, this fire burned throughout the city. And when it was over, the fire destroyed more than 2,000 acres there in the city of Chicago, including 73 miles of roads, 120 miles of sidewalks, 2,000 lampposts, 17,500 buildings, which would have, um, all that damage would have been at the time, $222 million of property damage, which today would have been four to $5 billion today. 100,000 people of the 300,000 people living in the city at the time were left homeless. That's one out of three. And almost 300 people died. Now, that was a drastic, awful, terrible event that happened to the city of Chicago. Caused so much damage. But all of that was caused by one clumsy cow that knocked over a lantern in a barn. And it caused that much damage. Listen, I don't think that we fully understand the damage that we could be causing because of our words. And I've learned that our words, they may be small, but they're disproportionately powerful both for the bad and for the good. And that's why Proverbs 18.21 puts it this way, that the tongue can bring death or life. It, It can. Our words, they can bring death or life. That's why somebody can say something to us, good or bad, and it affects us for years. It's like sometimes words have a way of sticking on our souls. So like when somebody says something bad, Like somebody that was supposed to love you and they say, you know what, you're a mistake. And the truth is, like 
you could believe that the rest of your life when somebody said that one time. But the same way in the good, just like when somebody looks you in the eyes and with deep sincerity says, I believe in you, that can change your life forever. You guys remember when Spider-Man's uncle, uh, when, when he said, with great power comes great responsibility? Then when he said that, well, James says that our words are powerful. So that means that our words, they come with some great responsibility. And so I don't know about you, but I want my words, realizing that they're so powerful, I want my words to every single person that I talk to, every single place that I go, in my job, when I'm at the store, with my family, with my friends, everywhere I go, I want my words to be positive, to be honoring, to be encouraging, kind, life-giving. I want my words to be the reflection of Proverbs chapter 10, verse 11, where it says, the words of the godly are a life-giving fountain. I love that. So our words are directional, our words are powerful, and then here's number three, our words are revealing. Our words are revealing. This is what he says, uh, James writes in verse nine, he says, we use our tongues to praise God our Father and then turn around and curse a person who was made in his very image. Out of the same mouth, we pour out words of praise one minute and curses the next. My brothers and sisters, this should never be. I don't know about you, but when I read that, I relate so much to that. I mean, I literally can be at church and be worshiping God one moment and just being able to just tell people, hey, what's up? How you doing, brother? Like just, you doing well? Bless you. Just like, just, just being positive and being good and worshiping God with my words. And then literally two hours later, I'm sitting there fighting with my family or maybe I am like sitting there yelling at the ball game that's on TV. It's like things can switch like that. But my question is like, why? Like, how can that happen? How can I go from such extremes in such a short amount of time? And Jesus, in Luke chapter six, verse 45, he says this, a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. Listen to this, what you say flows from what is in your heart. And then in Matthew chapter 12, Verse 34, it says, for whatever is in your heart determines what you say. And in these verses, Jesus clearly says that our words are just a reflection of our heart. In other words, that our words are like a mirror that just end up reflecting what is in our heart. I recently heard a story of a guy who was playing golf with his pastor. It wasn't me, it was somebody else. He was playing golf with his pastor and he wasn't having a good day. And uh, it got near the end of the round and he got up on the tee box and he just shanked one off of the tee. Awful shot, really bad. You know, as soon as he hit it and it left, I'm losing my ball. And he had enough and he snapped just for a moment, just started dropping bombs all over the place, threw his club, was just angry like crazy. And then all of a sudden it hit him. I'm playing golf with my pastor. <laughs> and he felt such deep conviction. And he just said, Pastor, I am so sorry. You've seen, you've gotten a window into who I am, kind of behind the scenes. I admit I have a dirty mouth. And the pastor looked at him and said, oh, no, like, like no, 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 no. That's, that's, that's not the case. You don't have a dirty mouth. You have a dirty heart. 
Ooh. <laughs> Listen, whatever is in your heart will eventually come out of your mouth. It will. So if your heart is full of bitterness and hurt, offense, unforgiveness, I promise you it will eventually come out. You'll be negative. You'll be critical. You'll be constantly throwing shade at other people and other things. You'll be dishonoring. You'll complain about everything. And it's because there's something that's on the inside and it will come out in your words. That if on the inside is pride and insecurity and selfishness, it will come out in how you speak. You always talk about yourself. You always have to one-up somebody else. You always have to make yourself look good and make other people look bad. And you'll be gossiping and one-upping. You know, that person that always has to one-up everything, you know. It's because there's something on the inside. If there's perversion that's on the inside of your heart, it will eventually come out of your mouth. If there's racism and prejudice and hate and division, it doesn't start with your mouth, it starts with your heart and will eventually come out of your words. But on the other hand, good things, if love and kindness and joy and peace and patience and holiness and purity, all those things, if your word, like I'm telling you, it will come out of your words. You'll be positive and honoring and life-giving. And that's why that the taming of the tongue begins with the taming of the heart. That's why for it to really happen, the taming of the tongue, controlling your words, it begins with the taming of the heart. Now, I have had to have a moment of honesty with you all because there's a real tension that I feel when I read James chapter three because I feel like the whole chapter is him saying like, okay, tame your tongues is him telling us, tame your tongues. And then in James chapter three, verse eight, he says, but no one can tame the tongue. <laughs> I don't know with you, but like, like I wrestle with that. I, was like, I, I feel tension in that. I, I, I don't understand that. I'm like, what do you mean by that, God? Why are you sitting there telling me to tame my tongue, but then you also, in your holy word, say that I can't? Like, what is the deal with that? You've got to help me understand. And the more I thought about that, I think James is pointing to a truth that is throughout the entire Bible, that in your effort, in your own effort, you can't control your words. You can't fix yourself. That you can never be able to change yourself and fix yourself. That we all, we all need an outside source. That we need somebody else more powerful to do what we can't do. That we have to do that. Because if we could, we already would have. And that's the truth. If we could change ourselves, we already would. But the truth is we can't, so we haven't. And so the truth of this is that it actually points to Jesus. It points to the good news of the gospel. Because today's message, I want to make sure that you get this. I understand we were talking very practically about our words. But today's message is not fix your words. Because that would be me saying, okay, just fix the outside. Just get everything right. Say the right things and you'll be good. And really, at the end of the day, it would turn into a religious exercise that has nothing to do with the relationship with God. And that would be temporary change. That would be behavior modification, not a heart transformation. 
And so the good news of the gospel is that Jesus did something that we can never do ourselves. And that through grace, we could experience lasting change, not just temporary change, but lasting change. But here's the good news from the inside out, not from the outside in. Because Jesus just doesn't want your words. He wants your heart. And when he has your heart, then he can change your words. That's why I love this quote from Warren Wiersbe. He says that just like a horse needs a rider holding the reins, a ship needs a pilot at the rudder, so the tongue needs a Lord. So I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. And just ask in this moment, I think it's very important. We prayed for this at the very beginning of this message. We prayed that God would speak to us, so let's give him a chance. Right there, wherever you're at, whether you're in your home, whether you're watching at a watch party, just create just a quiet space and just ask God, pray this prayer. Just say, God, what are you saying to me today? Maybe ask him this, like, what does my response need to be to this message? How can I practically walk this out? How can my Sunday affect my Monday? And maybe your response needs to like, be something tangible with your words. Or maybe your response needs to be something with your heart. Because before you change your words, you need to give your heart to God. Maybe you're here and right now you feel so far from God. You're watching church at home and it might as well feel like God is a million miles away. And maybe today you just need a fresh start. We wanna give you the opportunity for what we call the best decision of your life, the decision to follow Jesus, the decision to give him your life. And so today, if you wanna make that decision, I just wanna encourage you right where you're at, just pray this in your heart. Just say, Jesus, I need you. I'm sorry that I've lived my life without you. Will you come live inside me, change me? Will you make me brand new? I surrender my whole life to you. I give you everything, past, present, future, everything. I give you my life. And today, I choose to follow you. Jesus, we thank you today for doing what we could never do ourselves. We love you. And it's through Jesus that we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If this message has changed your perspective on God or life, feel free to email your story to info at queencitypeople.com. We'd love to celebrate the change happening in your life. We'd also love to pray for you. If you have any prayer requests, big or small, head over to queencitypeople.com slash prayer and fill out the form with as much detail as you'd like. For more information about Queen City Church's service times, location, or events, visit queencitypeople.com or follow us on social media platforms at Queen City People.